Well, praise the Lord. We have been uh, dealing with the subject matter the last few weeks concerning the heart. Amen? And you understand there's things concerning the heart. A lot of things. In fact, um, we're really not going to get a lot of answers from the Lord if our heart's just not right. And we need to deal with, with this issue of the heart uh, so that we make sure we keep ourselves in a place where uh, we blessed. Amen? And so our scripture that we started with was Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and it says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen? That's good news, isn't it? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, last night we were out in uh, Palatka and went to Putnam County Corrections and ministered to the men there. It was, uh, man, I'm telling you, it is something else to be in jail. Uh, we love it. And uh, those guys there, they are hungry for the Word. They started making out posters that said Anchor Faith Church and what service, when we're going to be there. And they're posting them all over the prison. In fact, they told Reverend Butch, who helps head up our prison ministry down in St. Augustine, they told him, he said, well, the first time y'all came, y'all had 30-something people. The second time, we got 60. The third time y'all came, it was like 80-something. And then it was like that number again. It says, because, you know, we had some complications. He said, but we're, we're talking to everybody. We want to get 120 people up in here. I mean, they are fired up about the ministry that comes... Um, through the people that show up there from Anchor Faith Church. And it's an exciting time. And so, you know, it's easy for me to minister because I have a few people that go with us. Joshua was one. And they warm up the pulpit. I mean, they get them guys so uh, excited about the Word. By the time I get up there, man, it's just on. And we had five, five or six last night that came into the kingdom. And they're bold. We, we, don't, we don't play around. I mean, we, we make them stand up in front of it. Because if you don't want the kingdom, if he's not going to be Lord, then there's no sense in you talking. Okay? And so uh, it's a, it, uh, we want them to have the real deal. I don't want them to have jailhouse religion. Okay? I want them to have an experience with the king. That way when they walk out, they're still submitted to the king and they allow the king to walk through their lives because they are, have parameters in their life, boundaries that are set for them that uh, cause them not to have all these distractions. And so when they get out in life where there is distractions, they still can hear the voice of the king and obey the king and his word. Amen? And so this morning we were down at St. Augustine and um, I have this message to minister and the Lord had me go in a whole other direction. But we get to minister it here tonight. Amen? So y'all going to be ahead of the game. Praise the Lord. So uh, this would be good for everybody because not anyone's heard it yet. Amen? So blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. We've been seeing this. So it's important if, the, if those who are pure in heart will see God, well, don't you know we want to be pure in heart? Amen? So blessed are the pure in heart, for they, who's they? That's the pure in heart. They'll see God. And we know, we saw this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, that God doesn't look at us like we look at us. God looks in a different realm. Okay? And it said, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at what? The heart. He's dealing with the inward man. Okay? The inward being of the man. Because, you know, a lot of times we can look at things and say, man, that person right there, they can do something. Well, look at the way they're built. They ought to do something. I mean, you know, we have a running back down in Florida called Moody. Uh, Emmanuel, is Manuel Moody, is that his name? This dude was stacked, man. He's a big dude, had big old arms. 
but we couldn't play him because he fumbled a ball all the time. I mean, he would get like seven, eight yards of carry. You're thinking, put Moody in. But every time we get down there, he fumbled a ball, they get it, and doesn't do any good. You run all the way down the field just to give it to the other opponent. So he didn't play a whole lot. Okay? It's unfortunate. Great talent, but because he can't hold the rock, you ride the pond. That's how that is, you see. And so when you look at him, you're thinking, dude, this guy right here ought to be something. But what you see don't always measure up. Okay? But God always measures us rightly. Because He's looking at the in, inward man. Amen? Hallelujah. And so He's judging us based upon an unseen realm. Amen? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> we saw this, and, and y'all feeling impressed that I may need to go to Matthew tonight to talk to you a little bit about how Jesus just messed people up. Trying to get them out of the scene into the scene. But I want us to look at this real quick. It says this, because it identifies where the word goes. Hallelujah. Okay, Lord, we'll do that. Look what it says here. It says, for the word of God is what? Living and active. It's not dead. It's not just words on a piece of paper. When you read the Bible, it's God speaking to you. That's literal. Because the word of God is alive. In fact, in the Greek where it says, um, the word of God is it's the inspired word of God. Okay? As God moved on men by His Spirit, they penned the Bible it's God's inspired word, which means the word actually contains the breath life of God in it. That's important. Because it's just not you're saying, by His stripes you were healed, and you're just saying words. No, when you say that, it contains His presence, His being. This is important when we talk about these things, okay? And so, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and able to pierce, look what it does, as far as the division of soul and spirit. Of both joints and marrow. See, that's the three-part being a man. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says that may we present our spirit, soul, and body blameless until He comes. Amen? We preserve it blameless. Which tells us this, we are spirit. We have a soul. That's where we think, our mind, will, emotion, and we live in a body. And the Word dissects all that. It lets you know the difference between, in fact... Without the Word of God, you'll have a hard time trying to determine what's emotional and what's spiritual. Okay? Because a lot of times the Word will help you divide your emotions away from what God's saying. Because a lot of times we get emotionally attached in situations and circumstances and, and, and we're wanting to uh, have the heart of God on something, but yet we're so emotionally attached we can't actually detach ourselves enough to hear God. People do this in relationships all the time. Uh, a, a female or a male, they'll get into a relationship and there can be some dysfunctions, things that aren't, aren't right there. And they say, but I love them. You know what? I want to take care of them and I want to do all these things. But they're so emotionally attached, they can't see what's really going on. And the Word is the only thing that can... But He, he loves me. And, you know, but He wants to take you to bed. Well, it's because He loves me. Listen, you're not married yet. Yeah, but He cares about me. We're going to get married. No, listen, you're emotionally attached and you're trying to give your body to someone that's only supposed to happen in the covenant of marriage. But you don't understand how He makes me feel. It doesn't matter how He makes you feel. He needs to walk in line with the Word and wait until you get married because fornication's a sin. You see what I'm saying? We get involved in these types of things because the soul realm can get so confusing we need to have the guideline of the Word to be able to help line us out. And the Word will do this. 
it will divide soul and spirit realm and your body realm and able what? To judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Because you understand people can say, no, nah, baby, you know I love you. You know God be making his move, you understand? Playing a slow music, baby, you know I care about you. You know I love you. You know I just, I need you. You see what I'm saying? And it sounds good on the surface, but the Word will determine their heart. What are you doing? What's really going on here? Why are you being so nice to me? Why are you uh, coming after me? What is your intention? All the while, maybe, I just want to be with you, so then after that I'm going to leave you and find someone else. Because the whole thing about you is that I just want to have something I can't have. Come on now, help me. This is important. This happened in the Old Covenant with um, um, Absalom's sister. Tamara, right? Was that her name? And she, um, she, she, she had a stepbrother, and man, he was lovesick over this woman. So much, I mean, he just couldn't hardly stand himself. He wanted to be with this girl. And so one of his brothers said, listen, her servant said to him, why don't you just act like you're sick? Have her come and then, you know, have your way with her. So he goes, oh, I'm so sick. I'm so sick. Well, would you please send so-and-so to, to wait on me? So she shows up and she's doing it. He grabs her and pulls her and forces her into bed. And she's saying, don't do this. Ask Dad to give me to you. Do it proper. Okay? He won't withhold me. He didn't listen and he rapes her. Well, what was the intention of his heart? And it said after he slept with her with the same passion and love that he loved her, he now hated her even more. And said, get out of here. She said, no, 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 don't do, you've already disgraced me once, don't do it again. Well, ultimately it cost this man's life. Because his brother found out about it, he wasn't too happy and took things in his own hand. Which means, guess what, there was something in his heart. Hey, why don't everybody come on out here? I'm going to show you all some things. Well, his intention in his heart was, I'm going to kill you. Same thing with Esau. We saw this. Esau cries before his daddy. <laughs> Jacob, God, daddy, don't you please have a blessing for me? Don't you please even a blessing for me? Crying, weeping, stock coming out his nose. Right? Because Jacob had taken the blessing and now Esau wants it. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews, same book, that he sought for repentance with tears yet couldn't find it. How come you can't find it? Why? Because later we see after he gets up and leaves, he says... When daddy dies, I'm going to kill Jacob. See, his, in, the intention of his heart was to do harm because he just wanted the blessings without the responsibility. Amen. The Word does this. The Word goes to a place that identifies us. Now, if you, if the, if you have a pure heart, then your outside is going to show, follow suit. If your heart's pure, then on the outside you're going to get clean and be clean. But you understand, your heart cannot be pure, but on the outside you can look pure. So you can't just look at a person's outside and determine whether their heart's right, necessarily. You understand me? Jesus talked about Sadducees and the Pharisees and said they were whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Right? But if you're right on the inside, guess what? Your outside's going to reflect it. You can't be pure on the inside and be a mess on the outside. It can't happen. It can't happen. Why? Because your heart will affect your outside. The way you live and you, and you uh, choose to follow God from all your heart, and we saw this, the, we are to love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? All of it, not a portion. Every bit of it. Okay? Amen. With all your heart. And the good news is, is He actually gives you the heart to love Him. 
He said He'll take the heart of what? Stone out of you and replace it in your heart of flesh. That heart of flesh just simply means this, one that's willing to be submissive to the Lord. And then He'll put the love of God will be shed abroad in your heart so that you can love Him with the same kind of love He loves you. Amen. So from the inside, your intentions are just to do the will of the Father because you love Him because He loved you. We love Him because He first loved us. So He's made all provision in our heart realm. He's cleaned us up and He's dealt with this matter of the heart. That's the problem. Okay? Now Jesus starts to show that man has a heart problem in Matthew chapter 5. I want to show you this. I want to show you this. A lot of people hadn't seen this in the correct context, okay? And I want us to see this in the correct context because you understand Jesus has done something very powerful here, okay? He's here in the um, Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to the multitude. And he begins to say something in verse 17 that's very powerful, okay? Now, we know that Jesus primarily kept his ministry to the nation of the Jews, okay? Now, he did minister to others, but primarily the majority was to the Jewish people or the nation of Israel, okay? That's who he dealt with. That's who he uh, kept his ministry towards. Some did enter in, you know, the Samaritan woman received something, you know, the woman whose child was demon-possessed, you know, and she had a good answer and said, even the dogs eat crumbs from the master's table, okay? Because he said, we don't give, you know, we don't give away the children's bread to the dogs, Called her a dog. That's powerful. Okay? So he was too towards the nation of Israel, which means the nation of Israel understood the law and prophets who had been around and they had been taught away concerning how to receive the law and how to act in it. And Jesus makes this statement in verse 17. He says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. Okay, I'm trying to let you see that Jesus is wanting to deal in a realm that mu- that's beyond the seen realm. Okay, He said, do not think I came to abolish. Now this word abolish, or some translations, destroy, it says destroy. It literally means this in the Greek. It means to loosen down. Which means, don't think I came to make it easier. In fact, I came to tighten it up. I came to lift the standard. Now you think, if you if you went through the Bible and read the law, you're thinking, man, they killed all these animals, they had to do all these... So, I mean, you're thinking, my gosh, I'm glad I'm not in that age. But Jesus is making a statement. He said, I didn't come to make things easier, I came to get things tighter. And it's because they were stuck in a realm of seeing. He said, don't think I came to make it easier concerning the law or the prophets. Notice he didn't just say the law, he said, or prophets. He said, I did not come to abolish, but to what? Fulfill. Well, what's he fulfilling? Well, what is the law and the prophets? Because a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of churches out there that want to put their Ten Commandment signs out. But there's two commandments today. The law of love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And there's a new commandment I give you, Jesus said. And it literally was new. That you shall love your neighbor as I've loved you. Before, you loved your neighbor as yourself. But the problem was is that you could only love the neighbor as best as you would want someone to treat you, but your heart's not right. But God puts a new heart in you, and now you can love them like He loves us. That's new. Because see, when Jesus said a new commandment, He's not not saying something that's not truth. 
I heard one commentary and said, Jesus really didn't give a new commandment. It's already been in the old covenant to love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus didn't say love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said love your neighbor as I love you. That's different love. That's a different position. That's actually the God kind of love that prior to that you didn't have. And man, I can preach a whole message. We'll come in and probably do a series here soon enough on kingdom love. Because God never wanted us to have to experience the other forms of love in the Bible. He wanted us to live in agape. But when man fell from dominion and lost the kingdom, he moved in a different type of love relationship, the only one he could. And that's why we have different Greek words for the word love. But now that we've been born again, then agape can live in us. Hallelujah! The God kind of love. So that's why we're without excuse. Because we have the capacity to love like God does. And God can forgive. And God cannot take into account a suffered wrong. And God can be patient, long-suffering. Which means so can you. Amen. Isn't this good? Amen. Alright. So, he's telling them, look, don't think that I come to abolish this, but I came to what? Fulfill. Well, what are the law? The law isn't ten commandments. It's actually six hundred, about thirteen. Okay? About six hundred thirteen of them. And then the prophets, who are these people? These are people anointed of God to do what? To prophesy. And what are they prophesying? Thus saith the Lord. So a prophet is someone speaking on behalf of the Lord. And the law is something written that was spoken by God to someone who penned it. God spoke to Moses. Moses wrote it down. So the law is the Word of God written down. And the prophet is the Word of God being spoken through the man. So ultimately, the, the law and the prophets are just simply God's written and spoken Word. That's what it is. So he's saying, look, don't think that I came to do away with God's written and spoken Word. That's what he's saying here. Don't think that I've come to say what God has written down and He said and what He has spoken out, that I'm here to uh, do away with it or to make it a lower standard. No, I'm actually here to what? Fulfill it. Remember when He was anointed? Uh, uh, after he was baptized, or went to be baptized by John the Baptist, John the Baptist said, here comes the, the Lamb uh, who will uh, take away the sins of the world. He said, there's one coming after me who I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. That he, I baptize with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Correct? Jesus comes to him and he says, baptize me. And what's John say? He said, man, nah, you should be baptizing me, not me, you. And what does he tell him? He says, permit at this time so that all righteousness will be fulfilled. Why? Because the Lord spoke of this occasion. And He has to do what Dad said. Everything that was prophesied about Jesus coming to the planet, He must fulfill. So He's saying, I'm not here to do away with something. I'm here to actually fulfill what's been spoken or written of Me. Amen. And so he baptized him and the Holy Spirit comes upon him and the Bible says that uh, the Father says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Amen? So we see here that he says, look, I've come to fulfill this thing. Well, let's go on. He says, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until it is accomplished. I mean, nothing's going to pass away that God said that won't be accomplished. Why? Because we know the Scripture says this, the word of the Lord shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I sent it 
to do. Amen. So he's saying this, I've got to accomplish everything written about me or spoken about me. I'll do this. In fact, anything spoken about me or written about me, or because he is the Word, you understand? He was the Word long before he was Jesus. So anything the Word said has to be done. And there are things that have been spoken in the future still that we've yet to see that will take place because it will be accomplished. Amen? So this is what Jesus is saying. Then he goes on and says this. He said, whoever annuls one of the least of these commandments, which again is God's Word, and teaches others to do the same, what? That you don't have to do what God says. You know, now, for that don't mean God wants you to do it. Okay? God don't really care. You know, you don't have to do everything He says. Man, He said, don't go there. Don't go there. Okay? He says, anyone who knows one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But, the, but whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Then he says this in the next verse. Look at this, verse 20. He goes on and says this. He says, um, For I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that's powerful because guess who's the keeper of the law? Guess who's supposed to be the most right with God people? The Pharisees and scribes. I mean, if anybody should be getting in, it's these people, and you're telling me we have to exceed that? So he's messing them up, saying, I know what you're seeing these guys do. I know you're looking at them. I know they're standing on the street corners praying these long prayers, and you're thinking they're holy people. I know these are the ones that are fasting and got their little gloomy faces on, and you're thinking they're doing great exploits for me. I know. But he says, I'm in a realm that identifies some things. And he wants to start talking to us about them. What's he doing right here? He's prepping them because he's saying this, I'm fixing to say some things to change your thinking. And when I say them, it's going to jack you up so much, you're going to think that I'm abolishing everything ever written or spoken concerning God. So here it is, verse 21. Look at this. He says, For I say, well, look at the next one. He says, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder. Well, who said that? Moses in the law, which came from who? God. So God said this. He's saying, you've heard this being said. What he's saying, listen, you've been taught this. This is what you've heard. But he's saying this, listen, there's a problem. You're not killing people, but I've identified if you've got something going on on the inside, and if you've got something going on on the inside, then you might as well go ahead and kill somebody. Now, that's tough. See, he's saying it ain't good enough that you let on the outside looking good there's something on the inside condemning you. There's a nature separated from me. There's a heart contrary to my nature, and I want to put a different one inside you. I need you to become born again and become a child of God. Because this is not of any works, lest any man should boast. But it is first by receiving the work of Jesus, His assignment, His death, burial, and resurrection, Him taking on your sins so you can take on His righteousness. Now we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, meaning we are doing the, the same thing Jesus did in obeying the Father at His Word. And doing it with a willing heart. Not just obedient, but willing and obedient. You see this. 
So he says, you shall not commit murder. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. And he goes on and says some other things and communicates. Man, if you call your brother a fool, you're, you're, you're subject for fiery hell. And these guys are thinking, I ain't killed nobody. We get to verse 27 and look at this. He said, you've heard the ancients were told, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you. What's he doing? You need to repent, change your thinking. If you even lust after a woman, when you're looking at her, and lust is where? For her. If you already have lust for her, you've already committed this adultery with her where? So it doesn't matter that you may never slept with someone if you wish you could and wanted an opportunity, though you're not going to do it because of something just said, but on the inside you're already committed to the decision, then as far as God's concerned, you've already done it. Now that's powerful. Okay? So what's Jesus saying? Listen, the Word is going to divide soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It's going to judge your heart's intentions. Come on now. I did this in our leadership today. I'm going to use Cynthia. Okay? Come on now. I need you to let me see your hand. You understand? <sighs> Cynthia, it's good to see you. Love you. But if on the inside I'm thinking, she ain't the same color as me, man. I don't know why she's in this church. You see what I'm saying? Now, it don't take long to get around people to know that that comes through them, does it? Right. Because you know what? they all happy here, but you know something ain't happening right here. Okay? See, people do this all the time, and God knows this. Hallelujah. Oh, but we love everybody. Amen. But you understand, people's hearts condemn them. They can smile, but all the while, because, man, you in the deep south, you in places that, you know, there are some states that still struggle with this, and they just not godly, and they go to church. Amen? I mean, cut us, we all going to bleed the same color. Red. Amen, you understand? Know and when it's all said and done, it's about earth suits. We just different dirt. So don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. I mean, I walk all over everybody light skin all the time in St. Augustine because the beaches are white sand. And so I'm walking on you all the time. Especially you, Pastor Marcus, because you're looking a little pale. <laughs> you understand? We don't, we don't want to think more. There's an issue here that we got to deal with. You all right with that? We can handle this? We good? Okay. Amen. All right. You know, I ain't been here a long time, and sometimes, you know, you don't know how people can respond, but I, I was feeling you were mature enough to handle that. Okay. So listen, there's a heart issue here that we're dealing with. What's going on here on the inside? You know, you've had these heart issues at home where you're mad, angry, you've blown up, you've had outbursts of anger, and then someone calls you and says, Hello. Right? We've done this. How you doing? Everything all right? Yes. You lying. Because on the inside, you're like, I need you to shut up, get off the phone, because I am about to tie something on my spouse when I get off, because I'm mad. You understand what I'm saying? There's times we've done this and our heart's condemning us. But see, we want to keep our heart pure because the pure of heart will see the Lord. Amen? 
He says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. Are you seeing this? The Lord comes and says, man, I've got to deal in the realm that the Lord deals in. He doesn't look like man looking at outward appearance. And what you've done is you've reduced everything he wrote and everything that was spoken to just outward things. And I'm not here about the outward. I'm going to deal with you inward. And I get you inward right, then your outward will be right. So he says, this is the covenant that I'll make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law upon their heart and on their mind, and I will write them, write them where? In the heart. On their mind and in their heart. He's going to write, why? Because he gives us a new heart, and that new heart wants to do what God says. This is spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, uh, chapter 31, verse 33. It says, But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declare the Lord. I'll put my law within them, and on their hearts I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Why? Because, you know, something in us. And you understand, when the Holy Ghost comes and bears witness with our spirit, we're children of God, you know He's only talking from the unseen realm. He said He'll speak nothing. Jesus said about Him, He said, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will not speak on His own initiative, but only what He hears me say, he'll remind you of things I've spoken to you. He is talking on behalf of me. And, and he'll write this in this realm, and he's already identifying in you what you need to do if you'll listen. But if you start going, yeah, but you just don't know how big the problem is and how, listen, you're stuck in the seen realm. What you need to do is you need to start praying in the Holy Ghost and get back in the Word and let the Word start separating this thing out and see who you are in Christ and start speaking the Word only and get your heart right. Because your heart didn't change the whole circumstance on the outside. Amen. Because the pure in heart will see God. Hallelujah. Now, look at this, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. You've seen this. Okay, you've seen this. Hallelujah. It says, trust in the Lord. With what? I'm telling you right now, that word all is a big word. It's three letters, but it's huge. Because it becomes identifiable when people aren't in all your heart status. Because they'll start making excuses for something that they deem is bigger than what God can do. Some situation, yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor. We have cancer. This is not a cold. Well, by his shops, he's healed everything. There's not a disease on the planet that he hadn't whipped, stripped, and destroyed. It, listen, people die all the Yeah, but you know, people live. I mean, you can go and get a statistic of death all day long. We understand we're in a fallen state world. But you understand, the Word supersedes this realm. And if we do trust with all the heart and do not lean on our own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. But you can't have a straight path if you don't give Him your heart first. If you can't trust Him with your whole heart, then guess what you're going to do? You're going to lean on your own understanding. He says, trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding. How do you trust the Lord? Well, you get His Word in you. You get His law, His uh, the law and the prophets, what He's saying, both written and spoken to you. Because you understand the Holy Ghost is speaking right now. Concerning things in your life. You may not pull the thing out in, the, in Matthew chapter 8. And it says, Cynthia, don't take the job. Thus saith the Lord. You understand that? But will the Holy Ghost say that to us? I mean, she may be doing an interview. And then all of a sudden it seems like this is the, a good job. It's a raise. All this. But then the Holy Ghost says, don't take that. 
Now, what does she need to listen to? Well, because you understand, the job that starts saying, uh, because you start running the numbers. Yeah, but I can pay my bills. You know, we may be in debt. I'm just being hypothetical. You know, and this will help us get out of this and to get out of that. You know, and we can do this and I'll have extra here. And, you know, it's just the greatest. But yet the Holy Ghost all the while saying, don't do it. Because, see, he had, knows the beginning from the end. He may know in, in a month this place is going to fold. He may know that they're fixing to have to relocate some things and you're going to be tempted beyond what you can handle and you're going to go to another state with the company and not get not be plugged into a good church there and lose your marriage over it. That's just powerful. I knew of a guy when I was in Stark, Florida. Now, okay, um, I forget Jimmy's from Stark. You understand? We've had some history. Okay, there was a family, okay? And this particular family, um, the... Um, uh, <laughs> um, he had a got a promotion. Okay, um, he worked for a a high official in the government. High, huge. Okay, the man was over a whole section of the military, and this guy worked for him. And he had an opportunity to move to Washington with his family. Pay rates, benefits greater. Eric. And we in this little big church <laughs> in Stark. But, you know, we're preaching the Word and the family's growing, okay? And so I remember him coming to the pastor and saying, you know, I just feel like I probably shouldn't. But they had already been telling everybody they're going to take it. The commitment felt like it was there. Uh, the spouse was like, you know what, we're too committed, we're going, it's going to happen. Okay? Here becomes the turn of events because he didn't listen to the Spirit of God. The man he's working for kills himself. He gets in a relationship, this person with another woman. Their marriage is ruined. The wife comes back to the town and begins to run around and having kids out of wedlock. Yeah, that's bad. Because something on the inside was saying, trust me, but it just seems like it's the best opportunity. I mean, it's more money for my family. But it cost him his family. See, we got to trust in the Lord with all of our heart because there's things in the same realm that we don't see, that He sees. The Lord may say, quit talking to that person. Because the Lord knows things about that person that you don't know. The Lord may say, you know what, you need to go ahead and sell that. Because the Lord knows the, the life of whatever it is He wants you to sell because a month from now, that thing may be in a different place. He may tell you, sell your house now, knowing the market's fixing to go down. I mean, there's all kinds of things that he could do. We must be, we must trust him with all our heart. So he speaks to us even now, but there's things in his word. This is so important because the pure in heart will see God. So we must trust the Lord with all of our heart. Do not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him and he's going to make our path straight. Amen? Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Hallelujah. Says this in verse 20. He said, My son, attend to my words. Consent and submit to my sayings. This is the Amplified. 
Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. <laughs> it's very important, this heart area. Okay? It goes on and tells us this in verse 22. For they are life to those who find them. Healing and health to all their flesh. Keeping guard your heart with all vigilance. And above all that you guard, for out of it flow the issues or springs of life. Out of what? This heart realm. Out of this realm flows the issues of life. So if we guard our heart, put the Word in it, we keep it, we trust the Lord, we get this realm on the inside full of His Word, that way from out of this realm we can release the Word into this seen realm, the issues of life will start flowing out of us. Uh, we had a gentleman down in um, uh, St. Augustine. We had a men's camp out uh, just recently. And uh, we were talking about the Lord and testimonies. And, and, and we were around a campfire late at night. And we were talking about how God overcame in different men's lives. Because, you know, you read about David and his great faith exploits. And you look at uh, Gideon and his and Daniel and his. And I said, you understand, I know you men right now uh, have great exploits and conquering things right now in this life that we need to talk about. And so men started talking about how they overcame things. And I'm telling you, there's just as much of victory as anything we read in the Bible. And in the process of men doing this, a man came and brought a pack of cigarettes and says, I have been struggling for ten years to overcome this. Tonight, I overcome it and threw them in the fire. And today, he's still a non-smoker. Amen. You understand? He, he got revelation. I'm an overcomer. I conquer this thing. Greater is he that's in me than this thing. This thing's so insignificant. It don't matter how long it's been around my life. In a moment, it can be gone. Amen. Why? Because he started to give. He's, he's recognized, with all my heart, I'm going to serve you. I'm not having anything that's hindering me. You understand what I'm saying? Apparently, the Lord started dealing with him concerning this substance he's putting in him because, you know what? Hey, it's hindering his skin suit anyway. Okay? I mean, it sure doesn't bring life to you. I can tell you that. Okay? I'm not saying that if you were a smoker, you can't get into heaven. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is that you're going to have a hard time believing God for healing by putting something in you. Okay? So we've got to watch these issues for out of it flow the... Um, Springs of life or issues of life. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read some scripture real quick, okay? Hallelujah. Amen. I love daylight savings time. I love it. I am all about it. I'm so excited that our nation went to an eight-month supply of daylight savings time. That we only have four months of standard time and we get a lot of light from here on out. I love it. Amen. I'm all about it. It's worth lo losing that hour. Amen? And, and it should be easier for us having uh, evening services because, you know what, you've got plenty of daylight left. Hallelujah, after you leave. Okay, unless we just preach all night. Okay, Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 10. Look at this. It says this, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been granted. For whoever has to him more shall be given. And he will have an abundance. 
But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. You see that? The heart of these people have become dull. He says this, um, With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes, otherwise they would, have, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. Notice, just because he's saying things doesn't mean it's penetrating. Okay? But the Lord lets us know there's a problem in the heart area considering dullness. Okay? Because you understand we've been talking about this matter of the heart and we, get ex and we are excited about that God's put a new heart in us and that from here life comes out and our motives are exposed. God knows everything about it. But it's our job to guard this area. We have a responsibility that once we get born again and become children in the kingdom, that we make sure God always keeps our heart. And that we don't start drawing back from this realm. Amen. Because you know, when you go to church and you learn a lot of things about God, you can start acting church. And not really living it. You know when to say hallelujah. You know when to jump. You can run around. But on, at home, you're not keeping it. So that's why he says you've got to guard this. And, and, and Jesus begins to talk and says, listen, listen, people start get dull of hearing. Which means it's laid out, but they've lost the ability to see and hear what's going on. He goes on and says this, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see and hear what you hear but did not hear. Hear the parable of the sower. Now look at this. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown where? In his heart. This is the one whom the seed was sown by the roadside. So you understand, when the word of God comes, it goes straight to this area. Now, there's, been, there's teaching that we've heard. I've even been around it. And, and, and what's happened is, unfortunately, we've kind of got a concept that's a little misleading. That if we keep hearing it, hearing it, it's going to come from this realm and drop down. But Jesus tells us that when the Word of the Kingdom is sown, it's sown where? In the heart. The Bible tells us that the things of God are not naturally appraised, but spiritually discerned. So really what takes place when the Word comes, it actually impacts your spirit man first. The question is, then when it comes up to your soul realm, do you comprehend it? If you do not have understanding of it, then your mind's not renewed. So it's not a, let's keep hearing it for it to drop down. You need to keep hearing it so it keeps springing up. It keeps springing up and keeps hitting that soul realm till that revelation from the Spirit of Truth 
brings illumination to your mind and your soul begins to catch what's already in your spirit. See, that's important. Because people are saying, you need to hear the Word, hear the Word. Faith comes by hearing it, hearing from the Word of God. Keep hearing it, hearing it, hearing it, hearing it, hearing it. And eventually it's going to drop down. Look, it's penetrating your spirit, man, all the time. You're just not getting it. And this is very important because people are missing faith. Because what they're doing is they're praying, Lord, I need to hear it more. Lord, give me faith. When the Lord's saying what you need is understanding. Pray for understanding. If a man lacks wisdom, you need to gain knowledge, gain understanding. Why? Because I'm hitting your spirit when my word comes every time. You, it's coming up to your soul realm and you need to gain understanding of it so that then you can understand it and take hold of this thing. Amen. You need to see this. Because Jesus always, Word always penetrates the spirit realm first. For God is spirit. Why would He deal with your mind right at the gate? You Listen, you can't read the Bible and understand it naturally. It never makes sense. It comes from the realm of the spirit. That's why He gave you the spirit of truth. That's why the Holy Ghost deals with your spirit man and says, listen, you separated from God and you get revelation by the Spirit in your mind that you need a Savior. You need to make Jesus Lord. Once you make Him Lord, then you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in you and begins to teach you and gets your mind changed. So things start springing up. So the Lord's saying, listen... I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to put a teacher. And my word's going to come and keep hitting the spirit of the man and start springing up, springing up, springing up to renew your mind. So we got to pray, Lord, give me understanding. Give me understanding according to your word. That which I hear, I want to see with my eyes and hear with my ears. I don't want to be dull of hearing in my heart. I don't want my heart to get dull. You see what I'm saying? I want to capture everything that's being said. I want to be passionate about what you're saying so that it will transform and renew my mind. Why? Because when the word of the kingdom comes, I don't want the devil coming and taking it from me. I don't want him stealing it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the word of the kingdom is huge. It's huge because there's so much about the kingdom for us to learn. And every time an aspect, the keys of the kingdom, we teach on that, or kingdom authority, or, 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 or kingdom forgiveness, or kingdom love. You understand, we've learned these principles, but we've a lot of times learned them outside the lens of the kingdom. And we're not always operating effectively in them. Why? Because you know what? They hadn't sprung up and got revelation, and we need to understand these things so we can walk in them. So we've got to guard this. And you understand, the Bible's very clear. If a man lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men, liberally. But you must ask believing and not doubting. Come on, where? In your heart. Turn over there, James. Come on, give it to me. James chapter 1. Let's start in verse 5. I want you to see this. <laughs> Here's a man that lacks wisdom in his mind. He can't grasp a concept that's been spoken to his spirit man. But if any, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generous, generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Next verse, verse 6. Pause for effect. But, <laughs> just kidding. But he must ask in faith without what? Doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Next verse. 
For that man ought to expect to receive nothing or receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because he's what? Come on. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So we got to gain understanding by the Spirit. We can't doubt when we talk about faith. You understand? We must not doubt in our heart. And it says in Matthew chapter 11, it says, Believe you receive when you pray, right? That you speak to the mountain. Believe and don't doubt in your heart. No doubt. So you understand, you've got to receive this truth. It's going to go to the spirit realm because that's where God deals with us. That's what He penetrates first. Okay? Here's another passage of Scripture that communicates this in Acts chapter 28. Turn over there. Say, I'm not going to get dull of hearing. My heart's not going to become dull. Because you understand, there's a whole other level. When your heart starts getting dull, then you can move to have a hardened heart. And, and if your heart starts to harden, that's not good. And I'll prove to you next week, most likely, how a person's heart's hardened. Okay? It says this, And when they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in a large number, in large numbers, and he explained to them by solemnly testifying about what? Paul preached the kingdom of God. That's what he preached. And trying to persuade them concerning Jesus. Notice the kingdom, if you'll read Acts, the kingdom always preceded teachings of Jesus. He preached the kingdom and things concerning Jesus. Preached the kingdom and persuade them concerning Jesus. Philip did the same thing. Preached, Je- preached the kingdom and Jesus. From both, look how he preached to them. From both the law of Moses and from the prophets. <laughs> See this? We just went full circle. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, guys, look. This is what's been going on the whole time. It's about this realm. An unseen place. From morning to evening, he did this. What did he say? When the word of the kingdom sown in the heart, if you don't have understanding, the enemy will come and snatch it away. He said, some were being persuaded by things spoken, but others would not believe. Verse 25, and when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoke one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become what? Dull. Man. Mm. He goes on and says this, Um... And their ear, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and with, and they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might have seen with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and I would heal them. Verse 28. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. And when he had spoke these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among them, among themselves, and he stayed two full years in, in his own rented quarters, and was welcoming all who came in, preaching, look what he preached, the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. See, what happened was the the Jews had gotten so conditioned to just looking on the outside that I look holy, that they weren't willing to allow their inner man to be impacted with truth. They became dull in their heart. 
We don't want this. No, we want to trust the Lord with all of our heart. We want to love the Lord with all of our heart. We want to receive this heart of flesh and get rid of this heart of stone. We know that He deals right here with the motives of our heart. And we saw this. I'm going to leave with this comment. Uh, turn over to James. Um, James. James. Turn back to James. James chapter 4, verse 1. When I saw this, the Holy Ghost spoke this uh, one Saturday night in a kingdom crusade uh, down in uh, St. Augustine. And man, I, it, it just, I realized, wow, wow. If you pray to the Lord concerning anything assigned to your purpose, because it's His will for your life, you're going to get it. Jesus never had a prayer unanswered. Even when he goes to the tomb of Lazarus, he said, Lord, I thank you that you, all, that you, all, that you always hear me when I pray. Because Jesus only asked of the Father in line with his purpose. He knew why he was sent. He knows what his assignment was, and he only did that assignment. He didn't get caught up in anything else. So his prayer life was 100% successful because he always received anything in line with his purpose. God's will and intent for his life on the planet. He tells us, James says this, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? Come on now, verse 2. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. We've had this, we, man, we, in faith, man, uh, us that have been raised in faith, I mean, it's just faith. You, you have not because you ask not. I mean, we, we preach that all day long. You have not because you ask not. And we're saying that, man, you have not because you ask not. Now, ask the Lord, ask the Lord, ask the Lord. Believe God for that house. Believe God for that big car. Believe God. Well, does the Lord want you to have that house and that car? Is it assigned to your purpose? Because it brings the next verse up. Look at this. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong so that you may spend it on your pleasure. And the Holy Ghost quickened this to me and said this. He said, there are people not receiving healing not because they, they don't know it's God's will to heal. There are people that say, Lord, heal me. Lord, I know it's your will to heal. By His stripes I'm healed. They're confessing it and they know that God's will is to heal. But they're still not receiving it. It's because they're asking with wrong motives. Do you know why they're not receiving because they only want to be healed to do their own thing and not fulfill God's will and purpose in the planet. And here's a very stark reality and truth. Jesus looked at a fig tree, which is where Kenneth E. Hagin preached uh, from Mark chapter 11 multiple times preceding. And it all came over a fig tree. This whole conversation about faith, how faith in God came over a dead fig tree. Because the day previous he looks at a fig tree that was not in its season to bear fruit, yet gave the appearance to bear fruit. In essence, on the outside it's saying, I got fruit on me. But when you showed up, there's really no fruit. And he cursed it and said, no one will ever eat from you again. They go into town, come back the next day, and Peter going back on that, he said, Jesus. Rabbi, 
Teacher, this tree that you cursed has died and has withered at its root. And Jesus takes a faith opportunity to say this. Have faith in God. Now, what we miss is the significant truth with the fig tree. Which is this. If you're not producing in the, in the fruit in the earth, you have no need to be here. God desires that you would bear fruit and that your fruit will remain. And so people want to be in the earth, but they don't want to fulfill God's will in the earth. So they ask a known will of God, but they ask with the wrong motive because their heart's saying, I'm not following you, I just want to be healed so I can continue to do what I want to do and the pleasures that I like and the life I want to live. And we in the church are wondering, well, why didn't sister so-and-so get healed? And why didn't brother so-and-so get healed? And how come they believed God, they knew His Word, but they didn't get it? Because God's already judged their heart. He knows their motive. Their intent is to continue to do their will and not His. And Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen had this testimony. A lot of you, you've heard it where he was in a camp meeting and there was a healing line and he's laying hands on the sick and a woman came down and he went to lay hands and the Lord said, don't touch her. For I called her to be a missionary 30 years ago and she's not done it. She's been rebellious, so don't touch her. And he passed by. That lets, that lets us know real quick, she knows God's will to be healed. She can't get it on her own. She's wanting some manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit to operate. And the only reason why she's not getting it is because her motive is to be healed, but not to do His assignment. Now that can seem like tough preaching, but it's really not. It just makes me more confident that if I'm doing the assigned will of God for my life, there's nothing He won't answer. There's nothing He won't answer. Because a lot of times, unfortunately, what we're doing is we're saying, well, I don't know why the Lord did this and did that. Do you know what? The Lord knows what's going on. He has already judged the intentions of people's hearts. He knows what's going on on the inside. And He knows why people are or are not receiving. That's why I can boldly preach, the Lord's will is to heal. But Pastor, why didn't it work? The Word always works. His Word always prevails. What's the motive in the person who's asking? Because that's where the Lord went. He said, I don't see like man sees. Yeah, you're seeing sister so-and-so, and she's confessing every day, and she's praying every day, and she's in the Word every day, but there's a part in her heart that she's not giving to me. I know what she's asking, but she, it's not connected. He says, what do they say? They say they confess me with their lip, or they praise me, or they glorify me with their lips, but their heart is far. And a lot of times we just can't see this, but He can. Amen? Here's the good news. You know your heart. Because your heart is attached to the Spirit of God that speaks to you. And if the Holy Ghost says, hey, you're going to have to adjust that, then guess who can, stop? Guess who can do it? You can. I can't stop it. I can't say, no, nah, you ain't going to get your heart right. You know, you know, no, 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 no. I'm not going to forgive you, so you're not going to forgive me either. We're going to be in a grudge together. No, you know, you've you done me wrong, and so you know what, I'm not going to let it go. You understand, I can't stop you from living righteous and having your heart pure. You control that. 
which means then you'll be blessed despite anything. Doesn't matter what comes by, because I'm going to maintain a pure heart and I'm going to see God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the word. We thank you it's alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword.